Hey again, everybody. Connor Runyon with you for another Saluki Standards podcast. As always, brought to you by McAllister's Deli in Carbondale. They're over there on East Main Street in town. McAllister's Deli in Carbondale, some of the best sweet tea in the Midwest. Well, one of the most popular Saluki alums is our guest today, Jim Hart, former Saluki quarterback. He quarterbacked the Salukis in the mid-60s, and big part of the reason he became one of the most popular Saluki alums was what he did after his Saluki career. 19 years in the NFL. Of course, many know him for his time with the St. Louis Cardinals. 35,000 passing yards thereabout in his NFL career, and he just kept killing it after his NFL career. He uh, stayed in the NFL and did some broadcasting work after he retired, called the 1985 Super Bowl for the Bears on WGN Radio, and of course came back to SIU. He was the athletic director from 1989 to 1999 and hired some guy named Bruce Weber as the men's basketball coach. We'll get into all that. It's a pretty wide-ranging conversation. Jim has tons of great stories about his time in Carbondale and beyond. And uh, we started with the beginning for him. He's an Illinois native, grew up in Evanston, up on the north side of Chicago. Memory uh, uh, fades a little bit, but thank goodness for some pictures that were, we're going through at this time to uh, to look at uh, how things were back then. Uh, I didn't know any different, and uh, so things were were okay. Uh, my uh, my father uh, had diabetes and went blind. Um, I, I only knew him uh, as a as a blind person, and so it was uh, that that was a, a tough time. I was very young, uh, like five years old or so, and uh, so memories are. <laughs> the one memory I have is is uh, uh, doing something, uh, probably saying something to him when he was uh, uh, tending to me as my mother worked, and uh, <laughs> I guess I, I smarted off and he came after me, and I I thought, well, I'll hide under the bed. He can't find me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did, <laughs> and uh, and I paid for it. So, but but that's one of the few memories I have uh, of of him back then, and. Uh, so it was, uh, and as as I grew, my mom my mom remarried, and uh, we moved out to uh, further in the suburbs of Chicago, Morton Grove, and uh, so. Um, but my stepdad was was really responsible for me getting into athletics. I mean, I was uh, I had some talent, raw talent, however you can say that at uh, ten years old or whatever. But uh, I could throw a ball and hit a ball and stuff like that and he he kind of pushed me into uh participating uh more than I probably wanted to I was a little bit shy and but uh, he uh he got me going and um, he coached uh, some baseball teams that I was on and stuff like that so it was uh was those were nice memories uh, of uh of that era and uh, I don't know what else I can say that uh but but he's the one who uh, helped me, and so I was so proud that I could uh, uh, do the things that I did and uh, accomplish some things before uh, before he he died prematurely at age 57. So uh, so that's that's kind of how it all got started. I was uh, like I say I, I was able to throw a ball and hit a ball. And, um, never was very fleet of foot, but. <laughs> I guess that, didn't, that would only stop me today. It wouldn't didn't stop me back then. 
Yeah, no. Uh, you, you played some basketball and you mentioned baseball too, but why was it football that ultimately went out for you? Well, you know, I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to play professional baseball. And uh, my uh, baseball coach thought I had a, a good opportunity. But um, when uh, things developed uh, in, in high school, we had a, a, a real successful senior year uh, at Niles West. And um, we uh, caught the interest of, of some uh, colleges and things. Uh, and people ask, why did I choose Southern Illinois over Arizona, Illinois, Northwestern, whatever, the places that uh, expressed an interest but uh, didn't uh, didn't follow through. But I wanted to I wanted to play someplace where I I knew I could play, that I wouldn't get lost as a number someplace, like Illinois or Northwestern or Notre Dame. Uh, they you know they'd had six or eight quarterbacks coming in every year and and uh, so you really had to shine and i i didn't have the confidence in my own ability at that time to to think that i could withstand all that so i i wanted to and i also wanted to to play closer to home that uh, my parents could watch me play every once in a while they uh uh, they did drive down to uh, to Southern and, and watch a few games every year, but it uh, was a tough tough drive for uh, uh, for people, and uh, so they they only saw a few games every year. But that was neat that they could uh, they could see see me play every once in a while, and and the fact that I could I thought I could handle the uh, the pressure. It, it wasn't it wasn't Big Ten, you know, it wasn't um, Division One. Uh, football at that time, so I, I, I was really, <laughs> I just wanted to go someplace where I knew I could play, and uh, it, that worked out. Um, I think we had only three quarterbacks my freshman year there, and so all of us got a chance to play, and shoot, we only played four games back then as freshmen. You weren't eligible to play on the varsity anyway, so uh, different different times for sure. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious what the recruiting was like back then. You, you've seen and I'm sure read some of the crazy things people are doing to uh, lure kids in that are maybe in middle school or early in high school now. Oh. Uh, what was recruitment like for you in the early 60s? <laughs> well, it was all done by letter. Um, I didn't meet the, the coach, Carmen Picone, until I made a visit down there in the uh, in the summer of, of before my freshman year. And that's the first time I'd I'd met the coach. And uh, and that's that's I guess when I I, I signed um, to play there, and scholarships were <laughs> nothing to write home about. Uh, you got uh, uh, room and board and and books, and uh, and that was it. Uh, so I, I was, but I didn't know anything else. So it wasn't like like today when you look at the paper and you see all these guys signing for this and for that and. Uh, I think uh, Walt Frazier was the only one who received a, a true NCAA scholarship back then, and he was a couple of years behind me, uh, where he got money plus room board books. So, uh, um, but we didn't we didn't know any different. So it, it, that was fine. And uh, I had lifelong friends uh, in playing uh, playing the sport of football there, and uh, still keep in touch. So. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, I don't know that I. Well, certainly not today. I I, I wouldn't make it in the NFL, let alone college. Uh, uh, so 
it was uh, just because of uh, physically I couldn't run uh, as fast as other guys. And, uh, in fact, uh, the uh, senior-to-be quarterback was Dave Harris from Christopher, Illinois. And uh, he was uh, he was going to be the quarterback. And uh, But I guess I threw the ball better than him. I, I don't know. Uh, I never did. You don't ask questions like that. You just take the, take what they give you. And uh, so that was my sophomore year. And then uh, and Dave was gone after that. And so then it was just a couple of us, three of us, I guess, uh, sharing time in uh, junior and senior year. So I I didn't uh, I didn't know any better, and uh, I was happy, and I was able to do the uh, to uh, do the schoolwork and keep up with that, uh, and um, so uh, if you want me to keep going on, on that, I, I certainly will. Um, the uh, Carmen Picone was our coach uh, freshman sophomore year, and then Carmen left, um, and then Don Schroyer became the, the head coach. And uh, he had been an assistant coach with Wally Lem with the St. Louis Football Cardinals in the uh, early 60s. And uh, so he, he was leaving. that uh, They were having a – they had a new coach then, uh, Charlie Winter. Um, and so the, the draft was held, I think, between uh, Thanksgiving and, and uh, Christmas uh, – back then and it, it came and went and I, I thought I was I had gotten letters saying we're interested in you we're going to make we're going to draft you whatever well I not only didn't get drafted I didn't even be I wasn't chosen as a free agent so came back to school and, and uh, Coach Royer said uh, hey partner I said I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't get picked um, but I've got I've got a, a proposition for you and I said what's that he said I'm going back I'm leaving here and I'm going back with the Football Cardinals under new coach Charlie Winter. Would you like me to see if I could get you a tryout? I go, <laughs> yeah, coach. Uh, that would be great because I don't have any other alternative. And uh, so he said, okay, I'll do that. And uh, so <laughs> normally back then they sent uh, uh, a high-powered, uh, what do you call it, uh, staff member, um, general manager, coach, um, they sent the uh, they, no, they sent the ticket manager to sign me, <laughs> and that was that was a tough trip for them, you know, coming 90 miles down to Carbondale from St. Louis, and uh, but so they, they he took me out to dinner and, and uh, that was that was fine. I, w- I was hurting at that time. I had a tonsillitis or something like that, so I, I couldn't really enjoy a good meal. But um, so he said. Uh, well, we'd like to like to sign you to a free agent contract, and uh, I said, okay, what does that entail? He said, well, it'd be a twelve thousand dollar contract if you make the team. And uh, I said, what about, is there a signing bonus? He said, yes, one thousand dollars. <laughs> I said, is that all? <laughs> and I, I guess that was pretty bold of me to say that as a free agent, but uh, I I just decided to. to Try it anyway, and he said, "Well, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. Uh, I'm not, I, I can't privy, I'm not privy to uh, uh, making any more uh, overtures than a thousand dollars." And I said, "Well, I was afraid he was going to go ba- go back uh, to St. Louis and uh, never never see him again." <laughs> so I said, "I'll take it." <laughs> so, so I got a thousand dollar signing bonus, and uh, 
twelve thousand if I made the team. So do you remember what you got for dinner out of it? That yeah. maybe added to the value a little bit? <laughs> well, I don't know. As I say, I was uh, I was hurting a little bit and uh, the guy said when he when he called he said I, I, I'm in Carbondale and I said oh I'm I said I'm not feeling very well I, I've been in bed for a day and uh, he said well um, and I'm going no 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 I, I, again I was afraid he was going to go back home go back to St Louis and not ever see him again so I said okay okay I'll do it do whatever you want so I I met with him and we we signed the deal and, and uh, got a check for thousand dollars that's more money than I'd ever seen. So that's how it all started. Yeah. Uh, maybe one of the best contracts ever written going to the ticket manager. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I feel badly uh, talking about him like that, but I didn't say his name, and I, I know he's not alive anymore. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. well, you, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a meeting that takes place in Carbondale. I'm, I'm just curious, you know, you You've worked at SIU since you played. You've, you've been back to Carbondale, all those sort of things. How does life in Carbondale and kind of the um, the more recent times compare to what it was like when you were a college student in the 60s? <laughs> well, it was uh, pretty Spartan back then, uh, although we did have uh, Thompson Point was uh, fairly new at that point, and so it was uh, moving into a dormitory that was – Pretty good. It beat the the uh, uh, Dowdell Barracks that were uh, uh, on the site of uh, Neely and uh, Neely Hall at that area, where some of the team team members uh, stayed, and and that they literally were barracks. I mean, it was a piece of work. So I was happy to be in Thompson Point, and uh, and uh, as along with many of the other players. So. Um, I don't know. It was uh, it was it was fun going back as uh, as athletic director. Uh, didn't know had had only been back a few times in the interim in the 19 years that I was away. Um, but I was keeping in, in touch with it. Uh, went back I think uh, in the spring to uh, to do things for uh, um, for for charity work. Uh, worked with the uh, oh my memory is fading me. Um, <clears throat> Disabled uh, kids in the with the uh, Special Olympics. That's what I was thinking, and uh, so I went back and I got I stayed in contact with uh, with people, and of course the uh, coaches and uh, and athletics stayed in contact with me because they they wanted money every year. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was a that was a way to to get back there and and see and, and meet and meet some of the coaches and <clears throat> didn't get couldn't go to many games because. Uh, uh, it was just difficult to uh, to get there and back in one day, and uh, uh, and then be ready to play a game the next day. So uh, it was right. not not conducive. Right. You uh, you would have played in McAndrew Stadium when it was uh, it was a little newer. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a relic by the time that it was torn down in the early part of the 2000s. What was McAndrew Stadium like when, when you were a player? You said the word relic, and it was a relic even back then. We had a very small locker room <clears throat> and uh, dressed there. Use, well, let's see. The, uh, the SIU arena was uh, was built, was being built or uh, built at that time, and so we were the first football team to locker in the, in McAndrew, I mean in the, in the arena. 
and then we uh, would would walk up and um, have halftime at at McAndrew. It wasn't big enough to hold a whole football team um, that 100 100 players. So uh, and it had a, a grass field and uh, it was uh, it was pretty tough. I didn't. Uh, um, hmm. Someone just came to the door. Why did they do that? Um, but it, it was it was pretty bad, especially when it got got cold, cold and wet. Um, we got. Uh, I can remember when the last game we played there in 1965. Oh, it was against. Oh, I think it might have been Evansville. I'm not certain about that. But it just poured uh, like two or three days before that. And we didn't have any other place to practice, so we practiced on that field and just got it all muddy and gooky and uh, footprints everywhere. And uh, uh, the next day, it froze. I mean, it had to be down to 10 degrees, 15 degrees, one of the coldest games I've ever played. And uh, all the ruts and the, and the footprints were were hard as rocks then, and that was an awful game. I think we lost it two to nothing. Our uh, our punter got uh, got uh, blocked blocked a punt in the end zone, I think, and that's how that's how they got two points. So we uh, uh, so it was it was a bad bad experience. And then I witnessed the the evolution of it with. Uh, not personally, I mean, uh, not physically, but I, going back for a game or two every once in a while, I would see I would see the uh, the astroturf uh, put in, and uh, and I uh, that was it was good. I was happy for uh, for them, and it, it it just it's just like the uh, astroturf at Bush Stadium that I played and practiced in every single day um, became hard as a rock, and any time in the Midwest there when you've got they, they they kept saying, well, there's a there's a three quarter inch pad or, or inch pad or whatever under under the turf. Well, that's all well and good when it's 100 degrees or 95 degrees. It's nice and soft. But then the extreme in temperatures that we that you have in the Midwest, it would get down to zero or whatever, and that pad would just be like rock hard. And so I, it, it, I knew it had to be bad for them because I I knew what how bad it was for us in St. Louis at the time. Um, and I, we saw a, an evolution in St. Louis as well with Bush Stadium because that we played on grass there for the first five years, and um, played uh, the infield was 50, 50 yards or 55 yards of uh, uh, of the football field, and jeez, um, it was just like when you went out there for pregame warm up, it, it looked so nice, and by the time you finished, it was like like you just practiced on or. or pre-gamed on, uh, on a, on a sandlot, and uh, so that, it was awful. And, yeah. Uh, that was very, AstroTurf was very new back then, and uh, it was better than playing on the on the sand of the infield, but uh, not much. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure it's, it's bad enough getting tackled on that in normal conditions. Yeah, uh, right. Get some turf burn, but then when it ices over, it's, it's brutal. Oh, yeah, really, really was. Yeah. And the poor linemen had to put their hands down and uh, on that on that turf, and uh, I, I don't know how they didn't get frostbite on their hands because we didn't have gloves back then like they do now. The only gloves you had were those workman canvas gloves that <laughs> weren't very good and certainly weren't very warming either. Right. So there was there was a lot of evolution in the in the times that we played. Right. 
going into your professional career, you mentioned being undrafted in 66. Before you have the meeting with the ticket manager with the Cardinals and you get that invite to training camp, uh, did you think your football career was over? No. I I, I really, after being in, in training camp for a couple of weeks, um, I thought, I can I can do this. I can do this. But then I was number six of six quarterbacks in training camp in 1966, my rookie year. And I'm, I'm looking at it realistically thinking, I don't have a shot here. They, uh, Charlie Johnson was the starting quarterback. Buddy Humphrey was a, uh, an old older guy. Um, sec backup, Terry Nofsinger was a, a fairly young guy out of Utah, Utah State. And um, then we had three three rookies. One of the rookies was a uh, was a uh, All American from Iowa. Gary Snook was his name. Uh, drafted third or fourth, I think. Had a really nice contract, a couple hundred thousand <laughs> compared to my twelve. Um, and then uh, there was uh, another another uh, player who had uh, been drafted as a quarterback out of Ripon College. Uh, his name was Jack Ankerson, and uh, and I'm thinking, well, they're going to give him the, the best shot because he'd been there before, and then had to go in for to uh, for Vietnam things. And uh, so I'm number six. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I'll buy my time, do the best I can. Hopefully uh, they'll uh, cut me early enough that I can try out with another team someplace. And we, you know, went by, and, and all of a sudden Buddy Humphrey, they, they cut him. Uh, I don't know why. but uh, And then, um, let's see, uh, uh, Jack Ankerson, uh, they made him a tight end. He had got, gained a little bit of weight, and he had some talent, so they put him a tight end. And uh, and it's up to up to me and, and, and Gary Snook then. And who are they going to keep? The guy they invested two hundred thousand dollars in, or the guy they invested twelve thousand? Well, their investment is in Gary, and so they're going to they're going to keep him. So I don't have a shot. I'm I'm a odd man out. I knew they were going to keep three, and. Uh, so and it's it's Charlie and Terry and and um, Gary and me and uh, okay so I'm still thinking I'm going to get a shot someplace else but I'm still there I'm still there I'm still there and I'm going geez what what's going to happen here it's going to it's going to be the end of training camp and nobody's going to want to pick me up then so uh, uh, Gary didn't take care of himself very well. Um, he developed a boil on his knee and, and had some other injuries. And all of a sudden, I was number three quarterback, and uh, and, and Gary wasn't wasn't uh, just wasn't ready to play. And uh, I guess he felt he had it made. I, I don't know. Um, he's passed away subsequently, so I've never never had an opportunity to talk with him after all that. But uh, so um, they they called me in and said. Uh, um, we're, we're going to have to uh, uh, cut you, and but we're going to bring you back on the taxi squad. And uh, we're afraid that you're going to just abandon us and, and go someplace else. And I said, where am I going to go? And uh, I said, sure, I'll, I'll do it. I want to learn under under Charlie for sure. And uh, so I signed a contract again. Uh, um, and I said, I, I'm not under contract now, and if I, if I stay here and I get hurt, you're not – you're not uh, liable to take care of me. Oh, we'll take care of you. 
and I'm, I'm thinking the older guys say don't trust management, and uh, so I, I I did, and uh, it 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 did work out. Um, they uh, oh how did it work now? Um, that was that was '66. So I, I made the team, and I I, I was on the on the taxi squad, practice squad, and uh, the the ninth game of the year was in in uh, New York playing the Giants, and Charlie Johnson hurt his knee uh, bad. I mean, it was he had to have surgery, so they they put me up, and now all of a sudden I'm a backup quarterback, and I'm tickled to be there. Believe me, uh, wasn't anticipating playing in any games. We we had a good start to that '66 season, and. Uh, Everybody was looking at playoffs and everything, and boy, we lost most of the rest of the games, and uh, didn't make the playoffs. And uh, so we're playing Cleveland in the last game of the year in 1966, one of those cold games again. And uh, Terry uh, Terry Nofsinger didn't didn't do very well. And uh, uh, again, we were playing the, the Cleveland Browns, and they were they had us. I don't know. They were at lead lead by 24, 26 points uh, going into the fourth quarter, and um, all of a sudden they called on me, and I'm going, "Oh boy, what, I'm going to I'm going to score 28 points to, to to win this game? No way!" So I just tried to do the best I could, and uh, uh, we lost. But I don't know, 28. To, I don't even know the score. Don't, doesn't matter. But uh, so I, there I was, um, uh, and then in the off season. Uh, I worked hard. Uh, I thought uh, I was still going to battle against Terry, but they they traded Terry to uh, to Atlanta, and all of a sudden I was the backup quarterback. And uh, I went into the to, to uh, Mr. Bidwell. That was Stormy Bidwell back then. And uh, I, I said uh, I'd, I'd like to sign a contract. I'm 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 a free agent right now. This is in the off season. He's oh don't worry about it. We'll wait till we get to training camp and and we'll be fine. I said eh, I don't know. And he said, "Trust me." And uh, so, I, well, I didn't have any alternative. So I wait till to get to training camp, and uh, uh, where we practiced a few weeks. We had a, had a six-game training schedule back then, and uh, so we're we're getting to the last week of, of regular training camp, which was like we played three or we practiced three or four weeks. And then, so I, I go into to Mr. Bidwell again and say uh, I'd like to sign a contract. And he goes, "Oh, well, wait till we get to St. Louis." Well, because we trained up in Chicago area. And uh, he said, "Wait till we get to St. Louis." He's, he said, "Who knows? We may be uh, negotiating a, a starting quarterback salary by then." <laughs> and I about, you know, I harumphed him and said, no, "Okay, what? Well, I don't." Again, no alternative. So I go up to my room, and my roommate is Charlie Johnson, and I'm my head's down, and he walk in. He said, what's the matter, Rumi? And I, I said, well, they, they won't talk contract with me. He said, said something about waiting to get to St. Louis. And, and, he, and Charlie said, you don't, uh, you don't read the paper? I said, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't have time to do that. And he said, uh, uh, you're going you're to be the starting quarterback. I said, what? He said, I've got an ROTC commitment to fulfill, and um, they're calling me in because Vietnam was going hot and heavy. And uh, Charlie had a, uh, an ROTC commitment from uh, New Mexico State, uh, where he went to school, and uh, they were calling him in. He had to go into uh, uh, to do um, what do you call it, training um, for uh, 
six weeks or whatever, and then uh, then they were going to. He had a. Uh, chemistry background, so they were going to set him up with a, a lab and, and uh, put him to work in the Baltimore area, to uh, uh, and, and that's how he, he got his Ph.D. while in the service, um, and never had to go to uh, to fight, um, but that's how I got got to be a starting quarterback. Uh, they told me that this was like on a Tuesday, and our first exhibition game was Saturday in the New Orleans area. Um, and that's how I got to be a starting quarterback. And then when Charlie came back after a couple of years, um, he decided that uh, that he thought that I was going to be the heir apparent, so so he, he talked the Cardinals into trading him, and um, they traded him to, uh, to Houston, I think, and, and then finally Denver, or maybe Denver first. Uh, so that's, that's how I got to start as a quarterback. And then... Uh, uh, I, I didn't think then, then Bill Bidwell, Stormy's uh, younger brother, took over, and uh, he didn't particularly like me, and uh, so he well, they always drafted a quarterback in the first three rounds every year, uh, and I, I'm thinking, I, I couldn't, Bill Bidwell was not a, a real talkative guy, and so it was difficult to have any kind of dialogue, but I knew he didn't like me. And so I'm thinking, jeez, oh, I'm going to be gone. Every year I'm going to be gone. And uh, But he kept paying me, albeit not commensurate with the other quarterbacks in the NFL. But, again, uh, we we didn't have real good seasons until the 74 season when Coriel uh, took over. So uh, it was a... <laughs> It was a, a real difficult start, and then, uh, then year, year after year after year, ten years, eleven years, twelve years. All of a sudden, it's I'm, I'm in my 18th year, oh. and and how I started was just unbelievable. And then, uh, then I was unceremoniously let go by uh, by Jim Hannafin, and uh, he uh, he said, uh, I just don't think that you can uh, back up. You would be happy in a backup role. With uh, Lomax was going to be the heir apparent, and I understood that. I didn't agree with it, but I understood it. And he said, "I don't think you can, you can, uh, you can uh, back him up." I said, "Well, it sounds like you've got your mind made up." And uh, then we went. To, so the, the season's over, and um, I'm I'm going to be I'm I'm being let go. And um, Billy Bidwell said, "Well, we'll throw a a, a luncheon for you." I said. A luncheon? After 18 stinking years, you're going to throw a luncheon for me? <laughs> I said, uh, no. Uh, just just let me go, and uh, we'll handle it from there. So uh, my wife Mary and I uh, had a, a scheduled uh, trip to Hawaii to play golf, uh, and um, and these are these were fun trips. We we took them most every off season, usually in January, right after, and. Uh, so we're in in Hawaii, and uh, again, this is 18 years. I'm happy, happy as can be, uh, not expecting anything. Well, the one morning out there, the phone rings like at uh, five o'clock in the morning, and we had had uh, twins at that time, and uh, they were they were getting close to close to teenage years, and uh, so we're thinking, oh gosh, something's happened. Uh, that why is somebody calling us at five o'clock in the morning? And uh, so my wife Mary answered the phone, 
And she goes, hello? Oh, hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> and I, and she mouths the word to me, Joe Gibbs. <laughs> now he, she, she said, yeah, he's here. And so we got on the phone, and, and Joe said, uh, uh, I'm looking for a backup for uh, for Joe Theismann. And uh, he said, I thought of you. It, it's the same system, so there's no, no learning curve or anything like that. Um, and he said, would you do it? I said, yeah, sure, I'd do it. Um, and... Uh, Again, it's probably for $230,000, something like that. Back then, that's when, uh, uh, geez, um, well, Namath got 600000 back in 66 or 65, and so I'm still floundering at the uh, $200,000 range. And uh, but I'm thinking I'm, I'm probably not going to have to play much. And uh, so sure, I said, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, I said, you'll take care of me. Don't worry about it. And uh, that, that's how the last year came. And uh, the kids, I guess, were, were teenagers by then and, and uh, sophomores in, in high school. And, oh, they kicked and screamed about leaving leaving St. Louis and their friends. And we uh, we got to Washington and spent the uh, spent the, the better part of the of first semester and part of another for them. And then they screamed and hollered when we had to leave. <laughs> It was uh, that was kind of interesting. Uh, they they didn't want to go there, and then they didn't want to leave there. So, uh, but that's just how teenagers are. And uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, but we so we had a we had a great career. There's no question about it. And uh, we're happy to be retired. Uh, certainly, uh, being AD at, at at Southern was a a, a real blessing, um, and and fun. It was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and have, we have some lifelong friends uh, from our time there, and uh, didn't know what to expect, but uh, it was uh, I'd, in in, uh, in the times that my my eras eras in football, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I wouldn't want to. Would I want to play today? No, not really. Uh, would I want to be AD today? No. I mean, how now? I never thought that the NCAA would go to paying players, and uh, and they did. I'm thinking, I mean, the the, the presidents of the uh, universities are the ones who make these decisions, along with the hierarchy of the NCAA. And I'm thinking, they'll those guys will never do that. Well, they did, and uh, I don't know how Southern's going to if Southern could could uh, do anything about that. Uh, where are they going to get the money to pay? Did you know that Southern Illinois University awards students $10 million annually in scholarships, has test-optional admission, and in-state tuition for all U.S. residents? SIU offers hands-on, career-focused learning in every major, which are supported by internships and community service and the potential for study abroad and more. Southern Illinois has faculty who bring real-world experience to the classroom and the classroom into the real world. See what SIU can do for you at the next open house. Registration and info at siu.edu slash open house. Exploring options. That's a Saluki. I think early in your career, you're, what, a year out of Southern and you're a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. What level of fear do you have going from a college quarterback to being that young and being an NFL starting quarterback. Oh, it was uh 
it was unbelievable. Uh, and, and another issue there was that the offensive line uh, was was older, and the team was older. So I'm, I'm uh, looking at uh, Ken Gray uh, in the in the offensive line, Ernie McMillan. Um, Oh, some of the other guys, Irv Goody, well, Irv wasn't, wasn't that old, but but Ken and and, uh, and some of those guys were well into their 30s at that time, and they were the best offensive line in football, in my opinion. Um, and so it was. Uh, I, I'd get in the huddle and I'd look up at these guys and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm wondering what they're thinking. Uh, this young whippersnapper, he's going to he's going to call the play and he's going to do this and he's going to do that, and. Uh, we had some success, and so it was. Uh, after having it, I guess uh, the guys said, "Well, you know, I guess he might be all right." And uh, so, looking up at those guys with their with their uh, beard, scruffy beards and stuff, <laughs> and their cigarette breath, and <laughs> I'm thinking, "Oh gosh, where what am I doing here?" So it uh, it was, and in the locker rooms too, uh, it was. Uh, I want to say about a third of the players smoked. And uh, so it was. It was uh, even even my mentor Charlie Johnson was a, was a cigarette smoker, and we lockered right next to each other. And I didn't I didn't sit there very very often <laughs> because he was always had a cigarette in his in his hand, and and uh, and at halftime too it was uh, Jim Hannafin was a smoker, and he he we convened for a, a quarterback meeting and and uh, and he. Have he'd break out a cigarette and light it, and, and I'd walk away about ten feet. He said, "Come on over here." And I said, "No, I'm not smelling that smoke." I said, "I need to catch my breath and get ready for the half." Oh, you know, he called me all kinds of names and stuff, and uh, that's back when we uh, when they smoked on the sideline too, and not play. Yeah, but Hannafin. Right. I can't imagine guys lighting up in the locker room at halftime now. Oh, well. I don't. Oh, I'm pretty sure they don't. I, I think that they probably. Well, I say I, I think that they don't. They they may not. Players today control everything, so yeah. um, you don't have uh, coaches like uh, like Lombardi and uh, Shula and, and uh, people like that who, uh, when they said something, you said yes, sir. Um, and and a young player like me, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that too. I'm gonna whatever they said. I said oh, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, you bet. Uh, one one story about uh, Don Coriel. Where Don uh, Don liked to throw the ball, and uh, but we had right. an offensive line that was second to none at that point. Uh, we got sacked um, five or six, seven times one year. I think it was '75. It might have been. And uh, so Don Don wanted to throw it all the time but i i had a, a knack of throwing the ball away uh, if things didn't work out and uh, but i came to the sideline one time for a, a, a there was a measurement and i came over and it, and uh jim hannafin and i are talking he's got uh, harry gilmer upstairs on the phone and, and they're saying okay we're going to do this we're going to do that i said okay and um don don sticks his face in in our little huddle and, and says throw it just throw it <laughs> And I, I mean, it's like like third and one, fourth and one, or something. I throw it, and um, so uh, uh, and I, my eyes got big, and I looked at Hannafin, and Hannafin, and, and Don left left the huddle. Then, and Jim says, "You know what to do," and so of course I did. Uh, I'm going to turn around, give it to the to the fullback or halfback, and run against the best offensive line in football. 
And uh, I also thought, I, what what would the, the, the linemen do to me if I got out there and said, we're going to throw it? <laughs> and they would have probably beat me. <laughs> so, Get out of here. We're not throwing it. And uh, and it, it's it's obviously the safest thing to do when you only have a, a yard or two to go. And those guys felt like they could blow a t- team off the line for five yards. So, um the uh, I think it was probably Deardorff who said uh, at that, when I got in the huddle, we are going to run it, aren't we? <laughs> and I said, yes, Dan. <laughs> so. uh, well, you would have played in four Pro Bowls. I think you would have been a Pro Bowler with O.J. Simpson. Is that right? Well, against him. Did you have any interaction with him? Um, I met him a few times. Um, he was uh, very nice. Uh, Nice to uh, to the wives, uh, our wives. We would we would meet at, at uh, events that uh, happened during the week and those and those things. Uh, and he was he was cordial, um, but uh, <laughs> the only thing I can remember is the, is the wives saying, "Geez, look at the size of his head." Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> of all the things he could say, <laughs> that would, that's what they would say. Look how big his head is. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, after, you know, a 19-year NFL career for Pro Bowls, 35,000 yards, uh, did did you expect to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame at the end of all that? Oh, I don't know if expectation is the, is the right word. Uh, um, it's nice to think about that, that that could be something that happens. But uh, as, uh, as you witness, uh, classes going in into the uh, Hall of Fame you see that uh, you almost almost have to have played in a Super Bowl to uh, to be considered and uh, I I haven't paid much attention to it in the last oh I don't know 10 years or so but I, I know that's how it, it had been and uh, because uh, pure statistics uh, you know I was number three behind uh, Tarkington and uh, and Unitas back then, and I thought, well, you know, that, that might have an opportunity. But then I didn't I didn't play in a Super Bowl, so uh, that's if that's the criteria that they're uh, uh, that they're looking for. Um, I guess I have to come to the realization that's not going to happen. So um, I just I just hope it happens. If it, it does happen, I hope it happens before I die. I, I, it's not going to do me any good posthumously. <laughs> Right. I, I, for what it's worth, I saw a fan vote the other day that was going around. Seventy seventy percent of the fans wanted the end. So there, oh, really? there's some there's some people that want to see it happen. Oh wow! I, I hadn't seen that. Well, that's that's encouraging, but I'm not going to hang my hat on that. Uh, as as I get older and and uh, battle cancer and heart disease, uh, <laughs> it's uh, probably not going to happen in in my lifetime. So. But that's okay. I, my memories are uh, are uh, are my teammates, and uh, I've got uh, I have their uh, their birthdays on my calendar. And uh, big big Dan was uh, 71 uh, Monday, and uh, so I uh, I keep in touch with those guys. Johnny Rowland is is uh, 77 now, and uh, hmm. so some of these some of these guys are, are I mean. They're, we're losing some guys too. Um, right. John Zook uh, a month ago, I guess, um, and uh, we're all getting diseases or whatever and, and having trouble. Like I had 
had uh, heart bypass a few years ago and suffered cancer uh, all last year. So uh, we're, uh, we know that we're in the twilight of our careers, but we have each other still. And uh, I have a tournament, golf tournament in, in uh, St. Louis every year uh, for the developmentally disabled. And uh, we, uh, I look forward to that. Uh, we missed it this year because of uh, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. scheduled for August, but uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask my doctors if they think it's right for me to to uh, travel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I don't want I that to be... get that done. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Well, so that's that's the time that we we all get together and tell stories that we've been telling every year for the last 30 years <laughs> <laughs> and still laughing as hard as we did the first time. <laughs> right. Right. I did have a few questions for you about your time as the Southern Athletic Director, uh, sure. 1989 to 1999. You served uh, late in that era. You hired a guy named Bruce Weber, the basketball coach. Uh, what do you see in Coach Weber when you hired him? Oh, I, I just I just liked his attitude. Uh, I, I liked it that he was a, a good good speaker. Uh, I thought that he was a good motivator. He motivated me in the, in the interview process. And uh, I was uh, I, I didn't I didn't have any um, uh, marching orders as to as to who I should hire or or what I should hire, uh, but I still was concerned without saying what I want to say um, <laughs> with these times. Um, so, uh, but but he was the class of the uh, of the people that we brought in and. Uh, we're still friends today. I, I still follow him. Uh, we uh, talk uh, once a quarter or so. They they bought a house down here in in, uh, in Naples that they don't they only come down a couple times a year. But we uh, we go out to lunch usually and and uh, and then I, I I talk to him um, on the internet a bunch. I um, don't I, I watch games that I can watch just like it's tough watching Southern games too, but. Uh, so I watch uh, K State games and um, that I that I can and um, uh, say something like right after the game. Um, whoops, <laughs> that one got away, and not expecting him to to, to re- respond. Um, just just saying, just letting him know that I'm I'm concerned, watching and, and rooting for him. And uh, I mean, he'll he'll text me from the locker room for crying out loud because he texts right back oh you know tells me what how he felt they 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 won or how they lost or whatever and uh, so he's uh he's still a, a good good friend and uh, he's he's loyal to me and i and i'm i'm thinking no i'm i'm more loyal to you than than you should be to me but uh, yeah he he really helped the southern program i'm 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 happy about that uh, you said he motivated you in that first meeting. How did he motivate you? Well, um, just by his demeanor, uh, how he felt that he was going to uh, uh, lead the team and how he dealt with players. Um, I, I didn't feel like he was condescending um, in looking toward uh, working with players. Sometimes you get coaches who uh, think they're holier than thou, and uh, and uh, <clears throat> you just get a feel that they might be uh, – Tougher on the on the player on the players than than need be, not not that as a player you don't need to be jumped on occasionally, but uh, I, I I like the fact that he 
um, he, he didn't appear to uh, use the uh, curse words. Um, and uh, unlike some other people that I would talk to, and I'd, I'd meet for the first time, and they'd, they'd uh, uh, use a bunch of curse words, and I'm thinking, how do you know I talk like that? You don't know that. Why are you talking to me like that? So that uh, that, that bothered me in uh, in some other people that I'd met through the years. Um, again, I, I don't want to <laughs> name names or anything like that. Right. Get myself right. in trouble. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll wrap with this. You know, there there seems to be a lot of former Saluki athletes that end up coming back to the area in some capacity, kind of like you did. You know, you have a kind of a dual legacy as both the quarterback of the football team and then the athletic director for a decade, too. When you look back on both of those stints, what are you most proud of about your time at Southern? Wow. Well, um, I came in when uh, when Title IX was uh, was resurfacing. Um, it had been uh, had been uh, picked up with the Ronald Reagan era, and uh, so all of a sudden now it was it had been pushed under the rug, and all of a sudden it was out there again, and uh, it was pretty obvious that it was not going to be pushed under again, and uh, so I. I I felt it was my duty uh, to uh, uh, abide by it, and uh, so when I first got there, I had uh, uh, something, a directive on on, the, on my desk that said, "You're going to get rid of um, uh, wrestling, you're going to get rid of gym, or gymnastics and uh, wrestling and and women's uh, oh gosh um, field hockey." And I'm thinking, oh man! And, and this was a directive. This wasn't just a, a suggestion. And it came from above. You're going to do this. And I'm going, holy cow! Um, first of all, uh, uh, gymnastics uh, in uh, in Bill Mead. Bill Mead was my uh, my my counselor as far as uh, um, um, what what I was going to do. Uh, with my uh, academic career, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, now I've got to, I've got to cut that sport. And uh, women's field hockey, uh, I said, I can't cut a women's sport. We, we got to, we got to get more women's sport. And I was told, no, you got to do it. And uh, of course, um, uh, other other people would. Uh, I'd got all kinds of nasty letters and from. Uh, wrestlers and gymnasts and uh, and I was in school with those guys and both programs were doing really well back then and and still doing fairly well but it was something that hierarchy said you got to do and uh, so that was uh, it was something we did and we weathered the storm and I was proud of that and then uh, a few years later we we get this directive from the state of Illinois that uh, you you no longer can use uh, state funds for athletics well, that was about half of our budget, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, how are we how are we gonna how are we gonna make up that, and and still carry on with uh, without dropping more sports, and uh, it was uh, we did it. Uh, I don't know how we did it with mirrors, I guess. Um, talked about uh, having. Uh, uh, more fundraising opportunities because uh, we were we were going to the to the fans uh, just too much and uh, they were uh, 
they were tired of it. And uh, so then it was, uh, I thought, well, we need to, to get, get out and, and get more sponsorship, uh, like from uh, Anheuser-Busch. I was familiar with Anheuser-Busch when I was in St. Louis, and, and uh, Denny Kortkamp, of course, was, uh, was uh, the uh, distributor in, in southern Illinois, and still is. We just got off the phone a few days ago talking about that. I was, was, uh, couldn't believe that he was still uh, still running the, uh, this distributorship there in southern Illinois. But uh, so, and I thought of that, and I thought of casinos. They were coming on board, but I was told again by the uh, by by the board, nope, you can't go to those people. We're not we're not going to do that. We're not, we're state institution. We're not going to be a part of uh, alcohol and gambling. Well, I go, now what do I do? And uh, I, I really don't remember how we how we did it, but uh, but we did, and uh, we're fairly successful. And, and then, of course, with the hiring of Bruce, um, we had to had to pay Bruce more than we were paying. Uh, um, uh, some of the other people that we'd had in there, so it was uh, it was just uh, it, was, it was a difficult thing, but uh, but we weathered the storm, and I guess I, I'm I'm probably most proud of that. And um, I had had our uh, associate uh, Charlotte West, Dr. West, um, as uh, uh, looking over my shoulder, and uh, people were were telling me we had to get rid of had to get rid of Charlotte, we had to get rid of Nancy Bandy, and, and I'm going, how are we going to do that? Why are we going to do that? They're doing their jobs and they're doing it well, and uh, some of the old timers were not happy with me that I didn't do their bidding, and uh, so I'm I'm equally proud of, of uh, weathering uh, that situation. And uh, but they're still still hanging in there, and uh, lo and behold, uh, they do have some uh, <laughs> uh, beer sponsorship now, and they do have some casino sponsorship, and I'm going, huh. Oh. Oh, why couldn't you have done that back then? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jim, it's always great to talk to you. Um, it's it's good to to hear you guys are staying safe down there in Florida, and really appreciate you taking an hour to chat with me. Oh, no problem. Enjoyed it very much. I always look forward to talking with people from Southern, and um, it's just a uh, fond memories. Yeah, no doubt. Well. Uh, Stay healthy and shoot it well when you do get a chance to get out there on the golf course. (laughs) Thanks, Connor. Good talking with you.